Hi there. Right, it's uh, summertime, so a lot of us are on our holidays. So for those who've stayed, uh, we've allowed you to pick your favourite episodes from the past and we're playing them. I'm just going to nip into the sea. Get those seagulls off me. Okay, you're listening to me, Sean Jules, Under the Radar. Stuart Lee is uh, with us for part two. Right, we've done all the... Um, so you're, you're starting to write new shows, so do you come up with a big idea first? Well, not... Okay, um... Well, when I write the the look, you were the, you were about the first person in the British Isles to do the long form stand up show, and so you know the question to you of that that one when you were in the house is like, what was that, like ninety two or something? Well, yeah, it was that weird thing of like I hated the circuit. I, yeah. still, I still do. Like I love the circuit, but I'm just not very good at it. Even well, now, I still don't like doing twenty-minute sets. Well, it's difficult to do twenties when you're also writing long shows. Yeah, you know, it's a hard thing. But yeah, so what I I, I decided to like like thematic, yeah. so I could go various little places. Yeah. And yeah, I am I'm that idiot now that you get really like average comics going. Oh, I better do a show with a theme. Yeah, when they shouldn't, because some people can't do yeah. that. Well, well, I, I, I would imagine from what I remember that you you start writing things and you. You see some sort of theme emerging, yeah. And um, but but you know, I mean, there's difficult things. Well, sometimes when a person's talking to you about something, they give away their own concerns without realising it, don't they? And then you think, oh, that's what they're interested in. That's the theme of their argument. You know, they don't often betray themselves. So sometimes you you might have the have the idea of what it is, and then you have to bury it a bit and put sort of stuff over it. But I mean, I do I do try to have shows that have. Um, a, a sort of dramatic shape to them when I write um, proper so shows. At the moment, you haven't really written. Well, it. the problem is at the moment, right? I was very lucky that when the BBC didn't want to recommission Comedy Vehicle after the second series, and then Sky said they did, would do something like it. So I went back to the BBC and I went, "Oh, Sky want to do a series," uh, and they went, "Oh, well, we'll do one then." And I went, "Oh, right." It's really so, honest of you to say that because that's how it is. But that's ridiculous that if Sky well, hadn't come in. Your last series wouldn't have happened. Well, then I went back to Sky and I said, BBC want to do one. They went, well, we'll do two then. So I already thought it's probably better to do one on the BBC because there's no future in telly. It's capricious. Anything could happen. But if a million people watch it on BBC, that's people that might come and see you live, which yeah. is the only thing you can rely on in life. Whereas Sky was going to get 50,000 tops, you know, not yeah. as no one's got it. So I went back to the BBC and said, Sky said they'll do two. And then they went, oh, we'll do two then. I thought, oh, right, that's amazing. I don't know. It was a it didn't. I didn't you, try you to did, do that. You it didn't just... fancy doing the lie of saying Sky said they're doing three. End up for the. You'd have been, <laughs> been all right. You could have given me one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's too good. Yeah. So, anyway, so you, they, you could have said, uh, yeah, and they've just, insisted just so you know, that they they want Sean Hughes to do one as well. <laughs> yeah, you could have got all your mates in. Anyway, sort of that's such, what happened. So they want Simon Monnery. Yeah, well, you know, they, they they so I've got to do that in. December next year, so it's a lot of material. Yeah, well, so the, is the, that why you put in those rubbish sketches? Yeah, at the end to fill it out. Well, actually, you know what? There are, there, there. You got to have. You can't. You can't always bring. I, I try to write twenty-nine minute chunks of material. Yeah. You know, but but you, there's some. There's always some bit that's. You know, you need some breathing space in it. So, uh, so the next tour, which is called Room with a Stew, will be um, just. Oh, right. it's, I know exactly. Yeah. It's not about anything. It's just me working out half-hour chunks. And I come out at the beginning and I say I'm going to do four or three half-hour blocks tonight, and this will end up in a telly series. So, at the moment, as of today, I'm doing a gig tonight where I'm trying to start working out half-hour blocks of stuff, and then by. So you're going to pick subject matters each time. Well, that is sort of. You sometimes see what emerges you know yeah. you don't always know what it's going to be 
Like the last series, I had six half hours. Two of them took me less time to write than they did to say. They just came like that. Yeah. The UKIP one. I was in the. I, dro- I was late for school See, with the kids. Well, you know what still makes me laugh is uh, the fact that you always refer to them as UKIPs. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a sort of. Well, me and Richard Herring noticed when we were young that our grandparents, our, yeah, our grands would always call politicians and newsreaders. They'd put extraneous S's on the like John Majors and things like that. <laughs> sort of how old people say. But uh, the UKIPs one, you know, I, 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 I put, put the radio on, the news came on, Paul Nuttall was on talking a load of rubbish about yeah. um, Bulgarians. It was a nonsense. And this was in April last year. It was so obviously not going to happen what he said. I got home, downloaded a transcript of what he'd said from a radio website, and then um, or got one from the program or something, and then it just went bang. Has he ever got in touch with you? No. So that one was easy. Then the one, the one about drinking and being married and looking after kids. Once I sort of had the idea of that, that just came straight away. The other four took months and months. One of them, the one about housing and dogs, it was going round and round for. Like twelve months, I must have written. Yeah, didn't you say something like anyone who has a dog? You, but you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean that that one. I hope you got. The, I sent you an email, a picture of just my two dogs. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't because was it to a phone? Um, I can't. Phone. Yeah, yeah, I can't open them on my yeah. phone. Because you were slagging yeah. on. I just thought, oh, I'll probably send you a picture of my two yeah, dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that one. That I ended up writing. That was half an hour. I had ninety minutes of stuff for that one. Right. That I was. I had a twenty-minute bit about hamsters at one point. That well, never went we've, anywhere. We've all got that. Well, you can, I might sell it um, on. I'll sell it on to McIntyre. But so, it's, you know, so some of them were just. I, I don't know. But yeah. bearing in mind that you say you talk about the other Stuart on stage. So yeah. when you're at home, are you kind of writing for him? Um, well, you know, okay, I, I, I write it for me, but sometimes to go the extra mile, I need to take on a degree of arrogance and confidence that I don't naturally have anymore. You know, I don't, and I, I have to sort of start to think like this person. You know, and I, and I, I don't feel like that myself anymore. I feel, a, you know, a bit, uh, sort of. But so then, do you not think you should maybe pull away from that persona? Well, I did a bit in the in the last series. You know, I mean, people said, people said it was more accessible. I mean, I, I think on some way that's they've just got used to it. Yeah. But I think it was more, you know, accessible. And, you, and also, if you, if you. You know, you've got to. You've got. To, you, I've arrived at something that's probably patently obvious to most people doing comedy, and I've arrived at it by thinking about it rather academically, which is that, you know, you, you have to be a sort of low-status character as a comedian in some yeah. ways to be, uh, and to be uh, allowed to say these things. And um, and yet, I'm not a low-status character. I'm a, I'm a middle-class, educated man who's on television. What about a, a garden? Without a garden, yeah, yeah, but you know that's you'll, you'll in, the, that. in the grand scheme of things, you know. But it's so you, you have to find ways to make yourself, you know, but, but, l- l- more of a f- more. You have to you have to exaggerate the failings, I think, to give the yeah. the moments of insight. They seem more acceptable then because they've come but from an idiot. Do you, you know? feel when you started off and then you had the break, like you haven't changed completely, but you're definitely like much more uh, focused on you know that persona. Well, that you know that period again, the period of stopping. Lots of things happened that were, that, were really that in retrospect, you know, no, no one wants to undo their own life because you always think you're the product of whatever. Even people that have had terrible things happen to them, sometimes say, "But it may be the person I am, a one-legged man yeah. <laughs> living in a ditch." But you know, but so it's sort of in that period, you know, 
uh, I got involved with Richard Thomas with Jerry Springer, the opera, which was was written about as if it was the greatest bit of theatre ever done, and the and the assumption surrounding it is that we were millionaires. Of course, in fact, we came out of it sort of in debt, really. And yeah, because and, you were about to tour it, then it was yeah, and, it all, and, so, and, that, and that was very humbling. I had an, a couple of long term relationships that went wrong. I I went from being a young man uh, who seemed to be able to get away with living a reckless life and still look um, re- reasonable um, to being slightly damaged looking figure. And I think that all those things are quite helpful, so you, you actually. Went, you know. So did you go through a period of depression then? Well, um, I, I, looking back on it, probably, yeah. But I didn't, but, um, didn't really notice it at the time. And I think you come out the other side, you sort of think, well, it also made me realise that I, th- I think I was thinking that stand-up would lead to something or that there was some end point of it. And then when I went back to it, I thought, as long as I don't get into this economics of comedy as a new rock and roll, where every single thing you do puts you further into debt, this is what I can do, and I can do this would forever. You, would you still be doing this now if uh, you didn't have like the big success from the... Because like, obviously... The television has helped you sell well, lots of seats, but like if you hadn't done the TV thing, would you still be doing comedy? I, I, I yeah, imagine you well, would. It, well, I would because before I did the telly thing, when, when I when I toured in two thousand and four, doing the stand-up comedian show, it was called yeah, it was called stand-up comedian. I did like hundred seater rooms that were filling up. Then the next year with Night is Comedian, I did one hundred and fifty, two hundred seater rooms that were filling up. The year after that, the two years after that, I did uh, the forty-first best show, and that that was doing like three hundred. Sorry, sorry about the <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. I know. Yeah, that, that was doing doing three three hundred, sort of sort of four hundred, and then I did the telly after that, which obviously yeah. doubled everything. But it was growing incrementally, and I think you. It, but you do you could, think your shows were getting better each year then? Um, well, maybe I don't know, but people, but people would just of the people that would come, half of them would hate it. And the ones that really liked it told two friends, and it wasn't rocket science. And also, there was the, the breakthrough for me was when I left Avalon, who were big comedy rock and roll management. One of the reasons I thought I could leave Avalon, this sounds hilarious now to young people, was because I found out about MySpace. <laughs> right. right? Do you remember MySpace? Yeah, it was I... like a proto. It was like a Facebook. But didn't didn't, didn't uh, Murdoch buy that recently, thinking he could get it? Yeah. All by? But, but and then I th- then I went on MySpace and I. I realised you could f- get all these people and tell them directly what you yeah. were doing, and then they would come and see you. I thought, right, so I can if I could get like sixty people in Leeds through Facebook, yeah. and they all pay me ten pounds, and I'm not with a big agency, and I've gone there, I've driven myself there in a second-hand mini, and stayed in a bed and breakfast, and um, I've not got to pay for a big advert. Then this is absolutely totally doable. That was your big breakthrough, as in leaving. Avalon. Yeah, leaving Avalon, realizing that there was MySpace. You could use MySpace. But having said that, then, like, <laughs> like you don't use Twitter, even though I'm not. No. I'm not saying for a moment that yeah, you, yeah. you couldn't be going. Oh, I'm off. You know. Yeah. I'm wearing cords. Today. Yeah, yeah. But like, you could use Twitter to just tell people when you're playing. Well, people tend to do it for you anyway. They sort of will post. You. I do a mailing list once a month. Look, the problem. You know. Look, we all. We all do what we're comfortable with, right? Yeah. And I, I hate the. Fi- I, I don't. Hate strong I hate. Sure. Well, I don't like. I don't know what to say. I don't. I wouldn't want to feel as. I don't like having to engage with everyone. You know, I find it really difficult. And I think Twitter's like inviting everyone to talk to you. And um, no, absolutely. You know, I totally know that. I'm just saying you could have used that as a marketing. You could do, yeah. But but actually, now. 
I think it's probably better not to. And, and sort of things that I, things that you do get picked up by Twitter anyway. To the point where one of the UKIP's blokes was posting something saying that I have done this thing, uh, this joke about UKIP, and put it all over the Twitter to try and capitalise on anti-UKIP sentiment because I'm a no-hoper comedian trying to make a name for myself. Of course, a I'm not on Twitter. That's more than 140 characters. Yeah, well, so there's no uh, way. You know, that. Yeah, sorry, but a I'm not on Twitter, and b it was. Um, no, he's created a JPEG that says all okay. that. So a, I, a, I'm not on Twitter, and B, it's a routine I did like a year ago. So it's a bit sort of. So it just, it just sort of takes things up for you, doesn't it? You know? Do you worry about um, comeback on like because you've slapped off a lot of comics? Um, well, I haven't really. I mean, ah, uh, yeah, I've not really. <laughs> Who? Well, I don't want to. Well, Frankie Boyle, Russell. Howard. Well, not. Fra- I haven't really slapped off Frankie Boyle. Frankie Boyle said. Did a routine about? Not, it's a brilliant routine. No, he did a he did a bit about how he did some quote about how um, no one over forty should do comedy. Even though he's right. doing it himself now. Well, he, he was under forty at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, and then and then look, the me, the me on stage would be livid about that and yeah. would go, "How dare this bloke? You know, who's doing all these corporate gigs say that and whatever." So it's kind of at one removed. You know, I don't I don't really have an opinion about him. Plus, I think he uses it's difficult when he does. Say things about me. I don't. Are they him? Are they writers? Like who is it anyway? It's this, sort of. This is what you know, I mean. Like when I say I should rephrase it, you don't slag off comics, but you put them into a context where they'd feel very uncomfortable. You know, just being named. Well, but, no, but you do that with lots of things. Okay, I'll tell you where I might have, where I feel I may have misjudged that. It's only once, right? Which was with um. Uh, when I did a I did a thing about Russell Howard because I got I got a weird weird press release came out where. One side of it was about how he was doing all this charity stuff, and then the other side of it was a standard thing that obviously gets appended to it about how many millions he's made out of his tours. And yeah. um, so it's just PR. The PR company always obviously have a standard thing where page two is he has made X million out of this DVD and whatever, and page one was what the actual press release was, which was about he's doing two gigs for charity and this walk or whatever it was. And I just started to think that was really funny. And 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 then I did this bit about it. and what the problem what the problem there, right was. What happened in between writing that and it being broadcast, I think, was that even though he can do long tours of um, 16,000-seater venues, the critical perception of me had increased my status to a point where it didn't look like a little person scrabbling up at a powerful thing. It just looked like sort of... Bitchiness. Yeah. You know, and that, but I. But it was a funny routine as well. Like this is one, like you don't like you know just go oh he's a knob, but like yeah. but even with your like the Jimmy Carr bit you did that that was funny and yeah, it was right, but it was still he'd probably find that a little bit hurtful. I don't but, think he would. I think he's I think he's disconnected from any yeah, stuff about himself. Isn't Stuart, he? surely you more than anyone else, and this this is the weird thing that people don't understand. But the reason comedians are comedians, besides the slightly kind of lopsided brain yeah. thing. Is we're quite sensitive people, hence we pick up on things. Like, do you get right. hurt when people say things about you? Well, it depends what it is. But I mean, there, there might, there's probably a part of it, again, which I think is Frankie Ball picks up on this, that but if you say those things, right, you're not going to be asked or invited to join in with everything. And like, it's quite a good way of just getting out of it yeah. and not having any part of it. And I don't, I, look, I love, I love um, stand up. But I don't, I don't want to be included in the panel show world where everyone's having their lines written for them by guys off the open spot circuit on shit money. And I don't want to be 
compared to that world where people are doing a new stadium tour that's been written for them by people that are in debt to their management company on terrible rates. I don't want anything to do with it, right? It sounds like and a it, rap. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's sort of... I kind of don't want to give that it. to example. <laughs> no, but... so I got the I got the lyrics for your new uh, song there. Example. So it's sort of in a way to go. Oh, look at this all rubbish in it. Yeah. You can kind of just you just sort of something else then. You can just kind of be out of it. And if if you're not involved in it, you're not held accountable to its values. You know. So I mean, it's it's sort of that. But I don't, I don't think. Um... But don't don't you think as well? Um, like we we touched upon it on the last time on the last uh, podcast, but. Like we we did comedy because we loved comedy. It wasn't to be celebrity or successful. It, 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 we didn't. There wasn't the option then. Yeah, you know. but that's what I mean. You yeah. weren't going. Oh, yeah. this is the first stepping stone to yeah. to whatever. But then, like, and we kind of got rid of the old guard. And what really annoys me is that this new guard are just as bad as the old guard that came in. But obviously, because we live in a PC world, yeah, yeah. they're not saying things that no. are kind of. Harmful, but they're yeah. the exact same kind of comedy. Yeah. Does that not really depress you? Well, look, it, it would, except that, um, except that millions of people go and see comedy now. There's loads of ways to sort of direct market to your customer base. That's what Henning would say, isn't it? Henning Wren yeah. would describe that. So it's not like it's got anything to do with you. You know, you can still. It's not oh, like yeah. it's preventing you from working. No, I'm, you can... I'm not putting it in the context of me. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, it's, it's, isn't it strange that we open the doors for the cycle to just go completely back to where it was? Well, yeah, but, but I just find that. Yeah, but in a way, you know, you know, a good capitalist would say it's good that there's um, a wide variety of choices now. I think. I think what's still funny is that it's it's annoying that people sort of talk about stand up as if it's all the same. Yeah, and I, I wish there was some. I wish there was some way that didn't sound too chunky to just differentiate between different p- parts of the of the scene. Well, like like the way the the genre kind of music. Yeah, I mean, no one would go, "Oh, I like." Well, let's go and see some music. And then if yeah. they found, found themselves at extreme noise terror, they wouldn't go, "Oh, I didn't think it would be like this." The <laughs> music. <laughs> They'd accept that there's different kinds of yeah, music when they exactly, go. Yeah. I went out. Do you know what? I went out to see some music last night. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was far too so fast. Told me it was good music as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Or, Oh, I love films. I went to see a film and it was all like... <laughs> it was in a different language. <laughs> like, so it's sort of... You wouldn't, you know, it's understandable. You say, do you like art house films? Do you like cinema? And, like, you, you sort of... If you're really into comedy, you kind of have an innate under, understanding of the unspoken idea that, you know, there's great people like Alan Cochran, Paul Sinner, who seem to be able to do... Um, a bang on twenty at the circ at yeah, the store. That's a difference. But can also do yeah. a really good uh, theme show about their dad dying or something. Yeah. <laughs> but there's but there's also like you know you've got the DVD. <laughs> I know, but there's but there's also but then there's people that are neither and um, you know and I think I think people that are real comedy fans sort of have a understanding of who's who. But it would just be you also kind of what what I started to get was. After the telly show, and I don't take any personal credit for this, but I get people coming up to me going, you know, in parks and stuff, middle-aged people or old older people as well, or young kids, and going, oh, I didn't know there was stand-up like that. And you go, well, there's lo- loads of it's like that. Yeah. You know, and then you tell them 30 people that they might like, but they didn't know it was like that. And you kind of want to go to people, there's loads of different ways of doing it, but you're only seeing one type all the time, really, on the, um, on the telly now, and you just sort of... Uh, 
But like this is like I and I hope uh, other like-minded souls like I'm very happy that you've got a TV series like because I'm glad. Well, it's very one, kind of you. I'm glad there's one of us in there. Doing I think I think of yeah, but you know what the problem is? I think that they think oh we've got that now. I know yeah right. You're, you're and, taking um, it from the rest of us. Yeah, so. and um well we've got one of those. So let's stick with let's the have all, Let's the have others. all the others, because yeah. we've got one of those. And in fact, you know, the, one of the executives from Comedy Central, and I have a show on with Comedy Central of uh, all the, you know, new acts and stuff, and they went, they said, um, oh, one of the executives from Comedy Central was interviewed in The Guardian, he said, this clever, cynical, Stuart Lee sort of comedy is all very well, but we do find it's not the kind of thing that young people are sharing online in their millions. Uh, now, first of all, that's wrong because, like, young people like all sorts of things. Yeah. Secondly, he's used the word cynical. I'm not the cynical person in that sentence. I'm the first right. to say that, but it's sort of. I do think they think, oh, we've had we've had one of them, you know. So, we don't, but actually, just think of all the amazing people you could get doing things that are not on. Um, you but, know. It's, but the thing is, it's not going to happen, is it? No, and I've clogged it up. But um, it's like that joke that Prince Philip said to. Um, Prince Philip made a joke, didn't he, to Stephen K. Amos about how he would. He was, yeah, he met him somewhere, and he said he'd have to get rid of. He could get rid of Lenny Henry for him, and then there'd be room for another black stand-up on television. Well, weirdly, and like, that's kind of. Well, they should uh, put him in charge of the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, yeah, no, there is. A, that's absolutely the that, truth. Yeah, but the the thing that annoys me is um, it's with the way the critics uh, like you. You've been like. Uh, they kind of warm towards you over the years. Yeah. Now, now they like you. Yeah. But it's one thing I've noticed from reading them. They're, they're all about success. You know, if the comic is successful, that means they are good. Yeah. And that is not necessarily the point. It's not true of anything. Yeah, it's not, it's not true of anything. And, but then and why are they criticising when when they don't seem to understand that basic logic? Yeah. Like, you know, I one in particular, like Stephen Armstrong in the Times is always going, he'll be the next stadium uh, yeah. filling. And I'm going, so what? you're saying that like it's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, said, he, he said an amazing thing, actually. It was the first time I'd heard the, the word used when he um, was on the Perrier panel, uh, Stephen Armstrong. He, uh, he said of Bo Burnham, the American bloke, yeah. he said it was, we give him this prize because he'd come over here and done the Edinburgh Fringe instead of saying at home to monetize his considerable internet following. I'd never heard the word monetize used before. I thought it something he'd made up, actually, but it was a real verb. The idea that, that it was sort of... He got some sort of prize for coming and participating in the greatest arts festival in the world, instead of saying at home and selling CDRs to people online. It's just kind of, but you know... That's, like, that's one of the big bedbugs of society, really, that, like... like the, like, I think we all want a level of socialism in the world. Yeah. And like, and this is like even this week, you know, the, the Sunday Times did their rich list, and I just I find that really kind of disturbing and kind of puke-inducing. That. Yeah. And then, but besides that, then of course the way the media, like there's so much media, perpetuates itself. Then on all the radio things, they're saying, "Oh look, Jamie Oliver's gone up to yeah. to," and I'm just going, "Should we not be looking at this and kind of going?" <laughs> This is wrong. Yeah, the poor list would be a good idea, wouldn't it? The thousand poorest people in the world <laughs> profiled by a Sunday newspaper. That'd be a good idea. But it See is, where they've moved around in that, you know. But, but it yeah. is that thing of just, it's all to do with, like, you know, just uh, yeah. money. And well, also, you, f- you find yourself getting, you, you get you get sort of, um, you get caught up in it, which is really odd as well, because like, when people are sort of slagging me off and uh, 
you know, oh, if he's any good, why isn't he doing the O2 or whatever? Exactly. But actually, I, exactly the then I find myself thinking, well, you know, I do. I, I do. When, I, when I squat over the Leicester Square Theatre for three months, I do... The equivalent. I do the equivalent of two or three O2s of people, but I, but I do it... I do it in manageable amounts that lead for better shows at ticket prices that are half the rate because I know who my audience are and they're not people that are going to spend £45 to go to the O2. Um, but yeah, but what, you say that, but like you charge, what, about 24 tw- no, I try to keep it under 20 But yeah. then with your merchandise, it's costing them about 60 quid, isn't it? If, well, I've got a lot of product they can buy, <laughs> yeah, that I've knocked out. You know, they spend it They spend it, They spend spend it. it on the way out yeah. and you get it back anyway. But, you know, so you do do that. You can do that amount of people. But, but what's the other thing is, weirdly, this is the funny thing about it is, Having been with big management and big promoters, if I do the Leicester Square, I don't need to advertise. You don't have to hire in a rig because they've got their own PA. Yeah, but so you it's don't know how like... lucky you are because of the TV thing. Like, I, I can barely sell out a night at the Leicester Square thing. Right. But, um, but you can do two weeks in Soho. Yeah, but like, but what I'm saying is like, it is that weird thing. That it's a hard thing. Because, yeah. And also, like, because like the people of our age, as I say, you were so lucky to get the second chance. Yeah. The, uh, but deservedly. No, we did get a second chance. I appreciate that. And, and um, but it's just and, like, like yeah. again, the way the media is, and yeah. not necessarily the comedy media, yeah. is it's all about the uh, young. And know, that's yeah. the way it's always been, so yeah. you can't complain. Yeah. But it's just, like, so it's quite hard for us. Like, there's loads of people like like Mark Thomas, Mark Steele, yeah. myself, Richard Herring, who are actually all doing pretty good stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but completely ignored. Yeah, but, but filling up rooms around the place, you know, just that's... Just about, well, though. yeah, but, I mean, that is... It is... It's, um... I mean, I, I don't know about this age thing. I think it changes because a lot, a lot of you know people finding out about musical comedy now. They they see clips on YouTube, so they don't really know where things are from or how old the people are. And yeah. you know, if you look at these sort of trendy boutique rock festivals like uh, All Tomorrow's Parties or End of the Road or that one in Wales, Green Man or whatever, there'll, there'll be people in their eighties on, you know, like old psychedelic blokes. Yeah, but it's slightly different with music though. Yeah, I know, but it's allowed. But I think it will be have to be increasingly. It'll be allowed in comedy because the audience are growing up with us as well. Well, you yeah, know? like, see, could you like if would your stuff work in front of a room of twenty or under? Well, it um, it might do, but but what tends to happen now, and you might notice this as well, is I get kids, parents, and their grandparents yeah. all come out together, and they can come to me because. There will be bad language, but it will be sparingly used. And it, when it comes, it's really like full on. Yeah. It's not like a casual thing. They they sort of they sort of. I don't think can, people are that worried about bad well, language. Not, there, well, you'd be surprised how many older people come and say we like it because there isn't loads of effing and blinding. Even though I may have just said that I hope someone's anus is shoved in their face and their head blows off and they're a cunt or something. But they kind of that bit comes yeah. in like one little bit. Then so old people like this, um, there's. And I think their families think they can sort of talk to each other about it. Parents probably remembered you from being on Radio One when they were young. You get these, you do get yeah. a spread of people. Um, you know, that's, that's the other thing because you like never really uh, like your comedy's kind of polar opposite to mine in that sense of mine is all about like I'm I'm always trying to think of how people's hearts feel. Right. While your tends to go for their head. Like I was saying, like you'd never really. Talk about yourself emotionally on stage. Would you? Well, I try and I try not I try not to do that. Although I have I did a bit in the last series in the in the episode six of it. 
I made a conscious decision to think, I wonder how this will be. That was a bit you stay away to... from my stuff. I know, when you tried to help me with the last line, you know, yeah. and it went backwards and forwards. The final line of the series, was, I couldn't fix it. And I was actually soliciting advice from people, you know, and you, you came up with a very good one, which I ran for about two months with that one. Uh, that's fact. And then my wife said to me, uh, put put the original one back in because it's, it's sort of. Well, it did work. Sort of, yeah. It did work. I mean, it was. It was such a, it was a very brutal end line, you know. But, but um, yeah, so I, t- I tried it in that, but I, I, I sort of, I kind of, I might try putting more of myself in, but but I think. But again, so it wasn't. My point was, so it wasn't a kind of an actual decision. I am never going to talk about my emotions. Well, a Tony Law and his wife Storm always make fun of me by they try to hug me and things like that whenever they see me because they know it makes me uncomfortable. And they try and do it by stealth, particularly if they're drunk. They try and take me by surprise with obvious physical displays of affection, which I dislike enormously. So I think, again, it's part of rec- it's recognising a part of yourself, right? For example, that routine that about Russell Howard when I was at complaining about him doing a charity. Oh, yeah, what it was you, about... You're, just, what, you're what obviously it, feeling very guilty. But what it was also you about... You keep on bringing it back. Was like, that was the closest I would get to an emotional reveal. The idea was that I was extremely jealous and angry that this person was getting this credit for doing stuff for charity when i do benefits all the time and why isn't it me and like that that so you do you do get personal stuff but it's normally buried as something else and his his sort of political righteousness is about trying to assert himself or whatever so it is in there but it's never like uh it's never your heart on your sleeve and some people are really good at that you're really good at that you know kitson's really good at that although there's also a sort of there's a sort of nastiness about it as well, which is interesting. He manages to be sentimental and misanthropic at the same time. Well, which is like... I, I think they're very similar things. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but so and so so we can't expect with the uh, with the new show. It's kind of like you know, it's it's just another progression. Or have you thought? I don't know yet. I don't know. You know. I mean, the other thing about personal stuff is it depends on your right. Lo- lots of things in my personal life have been quite difficult and unresolved there's still lots of people around that are affected by them you know and i wouldn't i wouldn't want to uh you know you don't want to talk about those things um and you pretty soon you know they start to you know you don't you have to even the stuff about being married my my the, the wife character is a sort of made up made up yeah, yeah. It, i mean there's overlaps but um so basically because we've run out of time uh but well, wh- well all right then what what will you do next then what do you, you know do you, do you feel like, what i mean the, the, what what also the, the, doing doing personal stuff doesn't it sort of it i'm sort just of, gonna have to wait for one of my family to die well that's what i mean it relies on things happening to you doesn't well, it no but like the thing is like what has come up lately with me, and it's, it's mm. like yourself, it's organic. I don't sit yeah, down yeah. and go, I'm going to do a show yeah, about yeah. this. But it's it's to do with um, how technology has taken away um, anticipation. Yeah, what a good idea. Um, yeah. But I can't do a whole show about that. But like, yeah. there's some of the ideas about, I'm pro-technology, but mm. I just want to let people know what they're missing as well. Yeah. Um, like Basically, the media have taken away trust in yeah. mankind. You know, because... I made the point that uh, there was paedophiles. There was the exact same amount of paedophiles in the 70s as More. there is now. Yeah. 
And uh, we were kind of told, don't get that phone, is a bit yeah, hard. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that was enough for us. But yeah. now the media have scaremongering children yeah. all the time. And basically, I think there's too much media. Yeah. And, and it annoys me. But listen to it, thank you so much for coming in. So basically, we will never get a personal show out of you until everyone you know is dead. <laughs> yeah, or I am. Or I am when I do it for some. And, like, I, but I, the fact that I love the, the, the. You wouldn't call your book an autobiography. No, it was, an, it was. I mean, there's no personal information yeah. in that. I mean, it appears to be, but actually, I deliberately just, I deliberately gloss through things that are obviously quite significant. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like Morrissey. Have you read the Morrissey one? No, I must do that. Yeah. Like, it was a kind of a page about the Smiths and then 600 pages about, yeah. my choice is trying to rip me off. Yeah, yeah. They said, uh, you've been listening to Stuart Lee, this is a Dog in the Fields production, uh, Under the Radar, keep tuning and keep going to live comedy. The proper stuff.